Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this wonderful Thursday morning in the city of Philadelphia. We had one team drop their second straight last night, but we had another Philadelphia team win their third straight last night. That's right. Our Philadelphia Flyers are on a winning streak, but unfortunately, The 76ers dropped their second in a row, and this was a big one to the Boston Celtics. It was a game the Sixers could have taken. Celtics had two of their starters out, no Jalen Brown, no Kristaps Porzingis. Sixers lost that one. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about our fly guys. We got Farzy joining the show today, our Thursdays with Farzy. We'll talk a little Sixers, Flyers, and Eagles with my man Mark Farzetta. And I also obviously want to talk about our Philadelphia Eagles with their big game Monday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. Can't get here soon enough. But we've got a great show today, guys. I see some of you in the chat already. Let's get a little roll call from my Power Hour crew. Love spending this hour with you guys. Wine Niners Wine here nice and early. Wants to talk about our fly, guys. Jim G, good morning. Terry Hayes, good morning. Bobby Murphy, good morning to you. Andrew Dirk, how about them Flyers? How about them Flyers is right, representing today for our Fly guys. Wheels in the house. Eagles fan in the house. Brian Lippincott, Twiz, MC. Love my Power Hour crew. Wheels already given his prediction for Monday night. Philadelphia Eagles going to win that game. Now, we won't talk Eagles just yet. I want to talk a little Sixers, a little Flyers, but A lot of people are talking about how this is the toughest team the Philadelphia Eagles have played. Well, it's also the toughest team this Kansas City Chiefs team has played. And I know this Chiefs team is a good team, and we'll talk about it. They got a much improved defense this year. But they haven't played a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. So, we'll talk about it. But I see Wine Niners Wine also representing the Fly Guys today with his Flyers golf shirt. Let's talk about our Flyers, since there's some Flyers chatter going on in the chat. Fly guys win their third straight game last night, beating the Carolina Panthers in Carolina 3-1. to And Carter Hart bounced back in a big way. He's missed a few games, had that midsection injury, then gets food poisoning, comes back last night and plays on his head. 31 saves on 32 shots. And I keep forgetting that Carter Hart is still only 25 years old. You know, we talk about this Flyers organization rebuilding this team and starting from the ground up and really starting to build a foundation. When you have a young goaltender with the potential that Carter Hart has, 
you could do a lot of things in the NHL, especially in the playoffs. And I know it's been a little up and down for Carter Hart. A lot of that is because of the team that's been playing in front of him. But he looked great last night. And again, guys, he's only 25 years old. If you're Flyers fans like me, you know what we have struggled with year after year after year has been the goaltending. Don't even remind me of the Ilya Brizgalov fiasco. We thought finally Brizgalov was the answer. Traded away Sergei Bobrovsky for Brizgalov. What a disaster that was. But there's been a lot of them. There's been a lot of them over the years. But let's hope that they can build a foundation around Carter Hart. And I've told you guys, we have to just enjoy this Philadelphia Flyers team for what they are. They're going to play hard. They're well coached. I don't have any crazy visions that they're going to win a Stanley Cup this season. They're not that good. But they are playing some really good hockey, and they played really good hockey last night in Carolina. Some really good hockey. And I see more people checking in from my Power Hour crew. Denise Lorada, good morning. Vince Engelking, good morning. Bowner Johnson in the house telling everybody to hit that like button. Go ahead, hit that like button. But I'm just going to talk a little bit more Flyers. I know not all of you guys are hockey fans, but we got to celebrate something because we didn't have the Sixers showing up last night, so at least our Fly guys showed up last night. But in addition to Carter Hart, Owen Tippett, and I think I saw Brian Lippincott in the chat say Owen Tippett is the truth. In the last five games, Owen Tippett, four goals and an assist, had another one last night. He's on a three-game point streak. But what I'm even more excited about is what we're seeing from Morgan Frost. He's been in and out of the lineup. Well, he finally looks like Tortorella is trusting him to be in the lineup. He's on a three-game point streak. He's got four points in three games, two goals, two assists. Konechny keeps putting the puck in the net. He's got 10 goals this season. I told you Travis Sanheim's having one of the best seasons I've ever seen from him playing defense. He's top three in the league for time on ice. So there's a lot of positive things with this hockey team. And I was looking at the standings. Hey, if the season ended today, I know there's a lot left, but if the season ended today, they'd make that wild card. We'd get some playoff hockey in this town, which I love. And I know you guys do too. Yeah, I see Steve Patton checking in saying Atkinson has looked good. Cam Atkinson has looked good. Steve Patton, watch out for the Flyers. They've won three straight on the road. Good point, Steve Patton. All three of these wins have been on the road. They had two on the West Coast. They come back. They play Carolina. They beat them in their barn. And what's crazy to me is I was looking at the standings. Not only if the season ended today would this team be in the playoffs as a wild card team. They have a plus four goal differential this season. They're 8, 7, and 1, above 500. But you look at that goal differential, that usually tells you a lot. Tells you you're playing some good hockey because we know the games that they have lost have been some close games, some one-goal games. So, look, even if I say, hey, they have no shot at winning the Stanley Cup this year, I would just love if they could make the playoffs because there is nothing like playoff hockey, especially in the city of Philadelphia, man. I grew up going to almost every single Flyers playoff game. And I've mentioned 
my best friend on the show before, unfortunately, he has passed. But him and I used to sneak into every Flyers playoff game together, have to find seats, and have the time of our lives when the Flyers would go on their runs. Unfortunately, never saw a Stanley Cup championship. But we saw some really good hockey. And I'm going back to the Legion of Doom days. Eric Lindros, Michael Renberg, John LeClaire, little Mark Recchi, Ronnie Hextall. Those were some fun times, man. Those were some fun times. And I see more people checking in. Red Zone in the house. Johnny Bottles in the house. Bill Ray, good morning. And Steve Patton talking about John Tortorella is the difference. He has been and still is a great coach. He really is. Now, look, in the National Hockey League, you usually don't see a coach have a very long shelf life with any one team. It's usually only a few seasons, and then the players kind of start to tune out the head coach. And you've seen the same thing happen with John Tortorella over the years. He's had a lot of success with teams, but there's a short shelf life. So let's hope that this team continues to listen to John Tortorella because he is a good coach. He does have this team playing really good hockey right now. So we'll see. Hey, you never know in the NHL, man. You never know. And just like we've talked about with the 76ers, about keep winning games, you don't know what what happens at the trade deadline. Maybe the Flyers become buyers at the trade deadline. I doubt it. I doubt it. They're still rebuilding, but you never know. Bounder Johnson saying the Wells Fargo Center is cursed. You know what, Bounder? I never even thought about that. We have not seen a championship in that damn building, man. Maybe it is cursed. Maybe it is cursed. Man, I didn't even think about that, Bounder. Well, is there still talks of the Sixers moving their arena to Center City? So, who knows, man. But I see Timothy Walker checking in. Wine Niners Wine saying the Flyers are retooling like Howie Roseman does. Maybe it will be a quick flip. Yeah, I don't think it has to be a three- or four-year thing. You, you could turn this thing around in a couple years. But I just don't think that they can maintain this type of winning the whole season with the skill level that they have. But who knows? Who knows? Let's enjoy it while it lasts. They're 8-7-1. and one. They're playing some good hockey. They've won three in a row, so let's enjoy it. But that's going to do it for the hockey talk today. I know some of you guys want to talk hockey, but we're going to switch over to the 76ers, little basketball, because they had a big game last night, back-to-back, but a big game for the Eastern Conference going up against the Boston Celtics. And the Sixers blew this one, man. The door was open for them to win another big game against the Boston Celtics. Would have been the second one already this season. You're home. You're at the Wells Fargo Center, which hasn't been cursed in the regular season, only in the playoffs, Bowner. And the Celtics have no Jalen Brown, no Chris Stapps Porzingis. You got to win that game. You have to win that game. You got, I know you're coming off of a back-to-back. But you got Joel Embiid playing. You have Tyrese Maxey. No Nicholas Batum again for personal reasons. Apparently, he's coming back. At least that's what he told Nick Nurse. Not sure what's going on there. And you're still without 
Ubre, who Farsi was talking about this morning on his show, that they're he's not sure that Kelly Ubre did get hit by a car. So we'll see. I'll talk to him about that. He's got conspiracy theories. Farsi's got conspiracy theories on the Kelly Ubre situation. So we'll talk to him about that. But you got to win that game if you're the 76ers. This is a big game for Eastern Conference seeding, especially down the road. And you got an opportunity to win your second one against the Boston Celtics, and they're without two starters, and you're in your home building. You got to win that game. But they drop it 117 107. And really, what this showed me is as excited as we all are about the 76ers, and rightfully so. I love Nick Nurse, I think he's a great coach. I'm loving what we're seeing from Tyrese Maxey. Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid, he's that damn good. But what it basically showed me was, yeah, as excited as we're getting, they still need that third star on this team. They still need that third piece to have that big three. Because Tobias Harris is what he is. I like Tobias. But he's not a max contract player. He's just not. I know they're paying him like one, but he's not. DeAnthony Melton, good game against the Pacers. Had a decent game last night, put up 20 points. Excuse me, 16 points. But not your big three. You got Rocco starting. It's just you need that third piece. And this just showed me last night when you play a team like the Celtics, even without two of their stars, the fact that they still have Jason Tatum on the court. Puts up 29 points last night. We need that third piece. Derek White put up 27 for the Celtics last night. But we talked a little bit about it with Kayla Santiago yesterday about should the Sixers make a move now? Should they try to get Zach Levine? I don't think they need to yet. As much as it showed me last night that the Sixers are still lacking that third piece, I don't think you need to make the move yet. They can still win a lot of games this regular season. Let's see how things play out. Let Kelly Oubre come back. Let's get Nicholas Batum back from, I'll ever say his first name, Batum back from his personal issues, whatever he's got. And then let's see what our needs are. There's going to be needs. There's no doubt about it. They need that third piece, but let's see what it looks like. And let's wait until the trade deadline gets closer because when these teams continue to lose, and I see Brian Lippincott in the chat saying, hey, poach Kawhi away from the Clippers. You never know what may happen. You never know what may happen as the trade deadline approaches. So I'm okay with them kind of playing this out a little bit more. I don't think they're going to win a championship with the roster they currently have but they can win enough regular season games. We've seen it. They've started the season eight and three with this roster. They can win enough games to stay in the playoff conversation. And then let's see what happens as the trade deadline gets closer. That's what I'd like to see Daryl Morey do. And that's what I think he is going to do. Look, I'm not going to be upset if they bring in Zach Levine. I think he'd be a nice piece on this team. But like we talked about with Kayla yesterday, it depends on what you have to give up. I like the depth that this team has. You saw it last night. Jaden Springer coming off the bench really gave him a spark. Pat Bev didn't have a great game last night, but he's decent off the bench. 
Covington, I don't think, is a starter, but not bad off the bench once Batum and Oubre are back. So they do have this depth that you like. So I don't want to see them give any of that up, or not a lot of it up, I should say. They're going to have to give something up. But we'll see what Daryl Morey decides to do. We'll see what he decides to do. But before we bring on Farzi and switch gears a little bit to talk Eagles in the next segment as well, big game tonight in the NFL. It's about time we have a good game on Thursday night football tonight. Doesn't really impact the Eagles at all. It's an AFC matchup, but it's a good one. You have the Cincinnati Bengals in Baltimore going up against the Baltimore Ravens. Both teams are coming off tough losses where they had the lead and they blew it last week. And you look at the NFL standings. Ravens are 7-3 and three atop the AFC North. Bengals are 5-4. and four. This is a huge game for the AFC North, especially with the news that came out yesterday that Deshaun Watson is now out for the season. This is really a three-team race, and I think a two-team race between the Ravens and the Bengals. As, as much as the Steelers are winning games with smoke and mirrors sitting there at 6-3, and three, they're not a very good team. We talked about the goal differential with the Flyers. Let's look at the point differential for the Steelers. They are a negative 26-point differential. And they're six and three. Put that into perspective. The Baltimore Ravens are a plus 113. So Steelers are winning with smoke and mirrors. Bengals came out to a slow start. You know that Joe Burrow was banged up in training camp, had that calf injury, and they just lose that tough one. But this is a good game. This is a really good game, a big game. And it's about time because these Thursday night games have been leaving a little bit to be desired as of late. But I see you guys in the chat. Asking me, who do I like tonight? You know, well, Ravens are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Ravens are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. But I like the Bengals in this game. I mean, I would definitely take the Bengals with the spread, but I like the Bengals straight up in this one. I really think that Cincinnati is going to go into Baltimore tonight and win this game. And I see Bill Ray saying, is Cincy season on the line? This is a – look, we're only nine games in. Not, not going to call it a must win, but this is as close to a must win as you can get this at this part in the season for this Bengals team. They were playing decent football. They blew that lead last week. So did the Ravens. But I think Cincy needs this game. And I think they're going to show up, and I'm putting my money on Joe Burrow to have a great game tonight against this Baltimore Ravens team. And the Ravens are good. They got a good team. But I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals tonight. What do you guys think if you're here in the chat? Let me know what you think. Who are you going with tonight, Ravens or Bengals? But finally, as Bobby Murphy says, finally, a good Thursday night game. Oh, boy, we got a, a Boston Celtics fan in the chat. Trolling us in the chat. What did I say? Horford is your daddy. You know, don't get me started on the Al Horford talk, man, because he came here and he absolutely sucked in Philadelphia. Sucked. Looked like he was done. Looked like he should have been ready to retire. And then he goes back to Boston and now looks like the Al Horford of old. Ridiculous, man. Bill Ray thinks it's tough to see the Ravens lose back-to-back -back at home. 
Jason A-team's got the Ravens. Andrew Dirk thinks the Bengals need this win. So I'm thinking it's going to be the Bengals. I'm thinking the Bengals are going to win tonight, but we got a good one. I'm going to enjoy sitting on the couch tonight watching that game. But, guys, when we get back, one of the best parts of our week, our Thursdays with Farzy, we'll bring on Mark Farzetta. We'll talk a little Sixers, a little Flyers, a little Eagles, Chiefs. So stay tuned, guys. Mark Farzetta after the break. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. For the best part of the Power Hour week, our Thursdays with Farzy being joined by Mark Farzetta. What's up, Farzy? What's happening, Bill? What's going on? It's very, you're very kind. Best part of the week. 
Uh, take that, spuds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, we got Kayla Santiago on Wednesdays now, too. So take, take that, Kayla. Some, some tough competition you got here. <laughs> I love Kayla. Absolutely. Love spuds. Love Kayla. It's good to be with you, my friend. Good to see you, man. How you feeling? I saw you choking a little bit this morning on the. Uh... <laughs> Dude, let me tell you. Uh, you know how it is because you got you got kids. It's like you send them out into the wild, right? And by wild, I mean you know daycare and school and whatnot. And then and then they come back and they bring this great uh, prize called germs. And oh my god! So son was sick. He got way easy. Uh, the two year old Leo, he got uh, the fever and the, uh, the 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 runny nose. Um, then my wife got the cough and all that stuff. And then my daughter got <laughs> my daughter got strep and hand, foot, and mouth. Oh, my kids had that before. At the same time, I never, I thought hand, foot, and mouth was a joke. The first, I, first time I ever heard of it was like three years ago when we started, two years ago, we started sending my daughter to school. And then all of a sudden they started making, they started sending emails home about somebody got hand, foot, and mouth. And I'm like, that seems like an inappropriate joke to make. Like we're just kind of out of the pandemic. And my wife's like, are you an idiot? I was like, yes. Uh, first off, yes. And then second, she was like, no, hand, foot, and mouth disease. I go, oh, yeah, it's a real thing, man. My kids had it. My kids, had, my daughter had it twice, actually, which was odd. But wow. But anyway, okay. we'll talk about some better things. People in the <laughs> chat want Farzi's opinion on Philadelphia sports today. First of all, before we get into the Flyers and the Sixers and the Eagles, let's go back a couple of nights. How horrible was that basketball court that the Sixers rolled out for the NBA Cup, Farzi? Uh, it was a, tr it was awful. It was, you were the I, smartest person I saw turning his TV black <laughs> and white. I, I, yeah, I, um, I was like, you know what? I, I, I lived my life in the fifties mentally anyway. So I'm like, let me just flip this to the black and white. And I was like, what can I do this? Because I, it was weird. Like I saw the renderings bill of the court of the in season, in season tournament court. And I saw the renderings. And I'm like, Oh, that looks kind of cool. All right, fine. And then to actually see them play a game on it. It hurt the eyes, man. I it was literally I just I was squinting. I'm like, this isn't me being like old man. This is me literally. I and then I saw younger people saying the same thing on uh, my social media outlets and all that stuff. Like people I knew were like, this is lame. This is terrible. This is hurting my eyes, burning my eyes, burning my retinas, whatever you want to say. And I literally I just turned off the brightness. I was texting with some friends of mine, all big Sixers fans, and we're on this group chat talking about the Sixers, and we're like, how are you guys doing with the court? And they're like, this is terrible. I turned it off. Another guy just like, I'm trying to really. Like, gut, like really try to gut out watching this game. And I said, I just flipped it to black and white. I turned off the color on my TV, and I watched the Sixers and Pacers play in black and white. And I was, I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. It, it kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, that scene in Dodgeball with uh, what's his name, the Ohula, Seamus Ohulahan, whatever the kid's name is, that the guy's name is. There's like dip, dodge, duck, and dodge. You know, whatever it is. Like that's what it felt like. But um, I loved it. I loved watching it in black and white. And I. Every game that they play on that court from this foreseeable future, I will be watching in black and white. Yeah, I guess they're going to commit to the whole season with that thing for the NBA Cup games. But we were talking about it yesterday with Kayla, and I said, you know they had to test that. Like, they tested that out. Who looked at it on a TV screen and said, yeah, this is a good idea. This is a really good idea. But that's the thing. How would they test it? Other than just, like, what do they have, like, did Newman Gretti play on it? Like, who who... Who do they who scrimmaged and who, who the, because I'll tell you this for the Super Bowl, kind of adjacent, but for the Super Bowl, they have like a local high school come out and play on the field the week before to kind of get camera angles down and stuff like that. I know NBC did that for years when they had the games, 
Um, I know they test that That's out. Smart. That's smart. But I don't know if they actually – if they did and I missed it, then fine. But if you tested it and said, oh, this is great, all right. But I, I, my, I would assume all they did was do the artist renderings, design the court, say it looks great, and then play. But from every single aesthetic angle, it was awful. It was. It was awful. But, hey, typical Sixers franchise stuff, man, the last few years <laughs> with our boy Josh Harris. But, look, before we talk about the winning team last night, let's talk about our 76ers. I know you weren't happy this morning on the Farsi show. Yeah. But they did. They blew a great opportunity to win their second game against the Celtics already this season. Celtics don't have Porzingis. They don't have Jalen Brown. And the Sixers can't figure out a way to win. What'd you see last night, Farsi? Uh, here's what I saw last night. I saw, uh, first off, a good looking court. Let's get that out of the way. Second, when I saw that Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Jalen Brown weren't playing, if that didn't scream, if that didn't scream to you that they were going to lose this game, I, I don't know. That, that just felt like a loss. As soon as I saw that, I went, this is so obviously supposed to be a win. They're going to blow it. And I before I blinked, Bill, they were down 17 points. And then in the second quarter, the Sixers come roaring back. They grab the lead. I'm like, all right, all right, you know what? All right, that was close. That was close. Coming off the back-to-back. We're all good. This is fine. And then in the third quarter, uh, they went to bed. In the fourth quarter, they went to bed. And they had numerous opportunities that swung momentum back in their favor, and they promptly gave it back, whether it was Tobias Harris driving the lane, getting a, a putback, whether it was Robert Co Robert Covington driving the baseline, getting an easy dunk, whether it was Tyrese Maxey hitting a three. Whatever happened in that game last night to swing momentum to the 76ers, the Sixers celebrated the moment of going up at the most five points it was, I think, at one point. And then, for the most part, they only could grab one-point leads after that, and they would just con consistently deliver the basketball back to uh, back to the Celtics. Now, if I were to tell you that, you would assume that probably turnovers were were crazy. They weren't. They were pretty even. Rebounding was pretty even in last night's game. But the thing that really stuck out to me was blocks. The Sixers got out-blocked last night, eight to one. Like that's that's show that's telling me that you're not exactly putting up the best shots. That that tells me that you're not exactly making the best decisions offensively, and that there's just no excuse for that whatsoever. When Joel Embiid is your MVP center, and Al Horford, I don't know if he took a couple guzzles from the Fountain of Youth before the game, but good lord, he looked like the guy that was again Joel Embiid's daddy. And I heard you say it before the break, and I'll reiterate it because it's true. And I thought we could put that in the rearview mirror. I was watching pregame last night. I heard Michael Wilbon talking about the same thing. Enough of this Al Horford versus uh, uh, Joel Embiid stuff. It's Joel Embiid's game. And I thought that same thing. And I had said as much after the previous game against the Celtics. And then uh, Al Horford, I guess, got up for the opportunity to be a starter again and be back in Philadelphia. And he took advantage of that opportunity. All the credit in the world. But, hey, look, it's the first horribly atrocious, disappointing loss of the Nick Nurse era. So as I said on social media last night, welcome to the party, pal. This is, we got a whole lot more of this. There's a whole lot more of that where that came from, my friend. Yeah, I can't stand Al Horford, man. I can't stand him. Just because you know, of what he did when he was in this town and now what yeah. he's continuing to do in Boston. But you know, real, quick on, real, quick, real quick on that note, I did an event with Al Horford. I did an event with Al Horford a couple of years ago when he signed with the Sixers. And when I asked him about coming to Philadelphia, even though – Joel Embiid had already was already here, and 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 obviously uh, Ben Simmons was obviously here. Uh, I asked him like, why, like why Philly, and in more or less words, 
he was like, they gave me $90 million. <laughs> like, he, 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 he brought up the contract, which I translate quickly to the money. And it was like, do you believe? <laughs> At one point in the, in the interview, I'm just looking, in a room full of people, auditorium, special event, private event. And I'm like, this guy just keeps going back to the con. I'm like, the only reason he's here is because, and I don't, I don't hate on him for it. No. They gave him ninety. Hey, take what, take it when you can get it, man. Good lord! Hey, good. Hey, take, take what you can get. Exactly. So it, it is what it is. Who gave him that contract? Was that Elton Brand? Was EB, that baby. EB. That was EB. It was that Elton was, Brand. That was that was an Elton Brand deal. It was Elton Brand special, unfortunately. And I'll tell you this much: I don't hate him for it. And people look at Joel Embiid as the the reason it didn't work here. That's not the reason at all. The reason is Ben Simmons. The reason it didn't work, Al Horford couldn't do anything for the Sixers team is because Ben Simmons had no understanding of spacing on the basketball court. And it also happened because the only time that Ben Simmons could try to score a basketball is if he was around the rim. And you can't have – you can have two centers. You can have that. What Especially if you have a guy like Joel Embiid who can play away from the basket. What you can't have is a point guard constantly trying to play in the paint as well. So, anyway, that's that's a conversation that's about four years old, but I have to have it again. Sorry. Well, I said before you came on, and you may have heard me, what this basically showed me, though, is as excited as we are about Maxi, which we should be, mm-hmm. and as excited as we are about this team over the first 10 games of the season, we still know they're missing that third piece, that big third piece. And this kind of showed it again last night. You look at the Celtics, even without Jalen Brown and Porzingis, they still have Tatum on their team, who's yeah. one of the best in the NBA. I talked to Kayla yesterday about it. There's some reports that Zach Levine is available. Would you make that move if you're the 76ers? I'd bring in Zach Levine in a heartbeat. I have been Zach Levine to me has been the white whale. He has been my Roy Halladay to Ruben Amaro Jr. You know what I mean? He just had to get him at some point. I would love to see Zach Levine in a Sixers jersey. I think he does everything the Sixers don't do very well. I think he would compliment guys like Joel Embiid. I think he would compliment guys, obviously, like Tyrese Maxey and be a great fit here. He can shoot from the outside. He could obviously crash the lane. He would be uh, the next step up for from what you were expecting in the role, not the position, but the role that you would want Tobias Harris to play. Tobias Harris has been playing great. But if you can get somebody else like Zach Levine in here into this mix, I am all for it. I'd love to see. And I don't think you'd have to give up the two first-round picks that you acquired in this deal in order to pull that off. Yeah, if you don't have to give up a lot, it's a no-brainer. It just depends on what you would have to give up because I do like the depth on this team. I don't want to see them have to give up a ton of depth, Mm -hmm. but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's switch gears for a second. Before we talk Eagles-Chiefs, let's talk about the three-game winning streak for our (laughs) Philadelphia Flyers Yo, how about those fly guys, Farzy? TK got, what, his 10th goal last night? They got two goals right out of the gate in the first period. That was great. Carter Hart went on, had 30 saves or 31 saves in that game. Yes, sir. The Flyers, over the last couple of years, have kind of done this, once I was out, they pulled, once I thought I was out, they pulled me back in type of thing. And, and, Except and I, for last year. Last year, I, I was I was hard. It was hard to be pulled back in. They had a pretty bad squad last season. Well, last year, if you remember, though, they started out pretty good. And then I think November, middle of November hit, and I think then they were terrible from that point apart. They yeah. lost. I think they lost 10 games in a row. I went to a game. I went to the game that was the first game of that losing streak. I remember Claude Giroux hit a shot from the point to tie the game, and then the Flyers ended up losing, maybe, I think, in overtime. But that was the first game 
that they lost in a while. They might have had like a four or five game win streak and then they lost 10 in a row. So I take full responsibility for that one. Uh, <laughs> but this year it was kind of the same thing. They kind of came out of the gates swinging and I liked it. I was like, all right, cool. But they're going to come back down the earth. They came back down the earth. They struggled to win back-to-back games for the first time since the first week of the season. And now they went back-to-back games and then three in a row against the Carolina Hurricanes who are no slouch, by the way. So I, I, I look, I, I always, whenever I watch Flyers, I always want the Flyers to win. But in the overall grand scheme of things, throughout our entire lives, Bill, there's kind of been this flirtation with relevancy. And that's kind of start to go away in recent years. I feel like I know that the Flyers have to break it down to build it back up. And I'm not saying they got to go full bore, 76ers process, but they have to be committed to being terrible. It's like my old friend Big Daddy Graham told me when I wanted to get in the broadcasting business. You know what he told me, Bill? He said... You just got to be committed to being broke for a while. <laughs> That's what he told me. And if you want the Flyers to turn around, you got to be committed to being terrible for a while before you do something great. Yeah, it, it's it's frustrating, but you're right. They do need to build this thing, build this thing back up because there's nothing better than playoff hockey, man. I yeah. love playoff hockey, but they haven't been relevant. And this used to be the Philadelphia Flyers used to be a destination for players. You wanted to come play for this organization and this team. And it just hasn't been that way over the last couple of seasons. If you remember in the offseason, I forget who it was that they brought in where the reporter asked, like, why do you want to come here? You're, you're a veteran. Why do you want to come here? I forget who it was. And that's, that's when there was the hot muck player from the, the media guy from the Flyers got caught saying, why the hell is she asking him this <laughs> that's question? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. Oh, I'm trying. I forget who it was. I forget who it was they talked to. But, yeah, let's hope it becomes a destination again. But, yeah. People are excited in the chat that we're talking some hockey, but I know we don't have all hockey fans here. We got a lot of football fans here. And before we get into the Philadelphia Eagles, big game tonight on Thursday Night Football. It's about time we got the Baltimore Ravens hosting Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. What's Farzee's position on that game? Who are you taking tonight? I want to see if I have a rooting interest in this game tonight. I'm rooting for the Bengals because I think the Bengals will be the better story going into Baltimore and winning that game. And they're going to have a big chance to do that. They got two good edge rushers. uh, Well, one good edge rusher right now with the Cincinnati Bengals. And you're going to be missing a guy if you're the Ravens. Ronnie Staley not playing in the game already ruled out. Bengals will be without T. Higgins. I, If I'm betting on this game tonight, which I'm not, uh, but if I'm betting on this game, as much as I want to see the Bengals win that game, I just don't see the Ravens dropping this game. I see the Ravens winning this game and proving to 8-3 and three on the season and basically sweeping that season series there with the Bengals. The Bengals dropped the first meeting they had in week two of this season. Uh, who was it? Nelson Aguilar got hit by um, uh, Lamar Jackson in the quarter of the end zone for what would be the game-winning touchdown on a 12-play drive before uh, the just at the start of the fourth quarter. So they came up clutch. They had an opportunity that the Bengals did, but that wasn't the Joe Burrow that we have seen. Over the last five games, the Bengals have won four of those games. They just dropped that game, of course, last week to the Texans, so it's a short week here. But Joe Burrow wasn't really in rhythm in his first couple of games of the season trying to come back from that calf injury. Now, over his last five games, he's got a passer rating on average of about 106.1 on the season, on those five games. So that's pretty good, uh, pretty damn good. If he has found a way to light that flame again and get into the groove that we have seen him in for the majority of his career, and now he has back-to-back 300-plus yard games, that's not, that's not always a brag. That shows you got to come back a little bit, and they certainly had to try against the Texans. 
But if Joe Burrow can find a way to be on the same page with his receivers, they have other guys step up in the absence of T. Higgins, then they'll absolutely have a shot. But the Baltimore Ravens defense is just an absolute force, an absolute force this season. And you think about 15.7 points per game they allowed on average. They have allowed to this point on average the best in the NFL. You think about how they can get into the backfield. You think about the guys that they have on that defense, and every single one to a man can step up. And you look at who is it? Uh, uh, blanking on his last name, their safety, Geno. Um, oh, not blanking now, too. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he can go out there, and he's been having a phenomenal season. Leads the league in interceptions with six. So I just think that the Bravens are going to be throwing way too much at the Bengals for the Bengals to go out of the charm city with a victory. Everything you're saying, I agree with. But for some reason, I think the Bengals win tonight. Just, just got a hunch. They, you just got I a hunch. I think they need this game so badly to stay in the playoff hunt that I think Joe Burrow has a great game against this Ravens defense. I'm going with the Bengals tonight, but we will see. But at least we have something to watch. Thank you. Right, no, yeah, I'm looking forward to a good divisional matchup. And I'll say this. I, you know, my mom's family is all from Baltimore. The Baltimore fans, the Ravens fans, they bring it uh, every single game. It's a great atmosphere down there at MT Bank Stadium. So that alone will wor be worth, uh, you know, putting it on Amazon Prime, of course. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll be rooting for the Bengals, but I think it will be a Ravens victory. All right. And then before we get to Monday night football, Eagles, Chiefs, there's basically four teams in the NFC that we have to keep our eyes on with regard to that number one seed. You got the Cowboys the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Detroit Lions. You think any of those teams lose this weekend? We got the Cowboys have the Carolina Panthers. That game's in Carolina, but the Panthers are just atrocious. Uh -huh. You got the Chicago Bears on the road in Detroit. I think the best chance of maybe one of those teams losing is the Seahawks are on the road in L.A. Not that L.A. has been great this season, but it's a divisional game. Maybe they beat them. And then you have the Bucks on the road in San Francisco. Any of those teams losing this weekend? Uh, I don't see it happening. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'd love yeah, to see either. the Cowboys. I would love to see the. I would love for Frank Reich uh, taking over play calling in Carolina to be, you know, the difference. But I don't have confidence in that being the difference unfortunately um so no i don't see any of those teams losing and unfortunately for the cowboys well here's the deal fortunately for the eagles they beat the cowboys going into their bye week because this is what i was afraid of i was afraid of or at least i was respecting the that the, the i was respecting the idea that the cowboys were not going to lose to the new york giants and i'm respecting the idea that the cowboys are not going to lose to the carolina panthers same regard, you have to respect the idea that the eagles could certainly lose to the kansas city chiefs and then we could also see them losing Maybe not so much now, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, because the Buffalo Bills all of a sudden look terrible and look like a turnover machine offensively. Uh, it's going to stay a tightly wrapped race as this season winds down, and especially after the Eagles go through the next five games here on their schedule. But it's only going to get tougher. I don't see a lot of these teams choking away the opportunity because similar to the way you described the Bengals, you look at a team especially like the Cowboys. They are fighting tooth and nail to stay relevant to that number one spot and stay in that number one conversation. So are the San Francisco 49ers. The, 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 the Seattle Seahawks are fighting for that spot as well. So it's very much, in the grand scheme of things, close enough to the point where anything could happen, especially with the five-game stretch that the Eagles are going on right now. The rest of the NFC is looking at it and going, that's who the Eagles got over five games. This is our opportunity. If we're going to make a difference and, and take over that number one spot, 
this will be the run of games. We'll have the opportunity to do it. That's how other teams have to be looking at this. And you asked me this on your show yesterday. So now I'm going to ask you on my show, who's the biggest threat in the NFC to this Philadelphia Eagles team? Uh, I still feel like it's the 49ers. The Cowboys, certainly it goes without saying for the NFC East. But for me, I look at the the 49ers right now with the way their defense is playing. I know that they just uh, they lost three games in a row. They finally got off that side. The Detroit Lions are right there. I want to see how the Lions do over the next handful of games. But the Eagles are not playing the Lions. The, the San Francisco 49ers have an opportunity to go head-to-head with the Eagles. Granted, in South Philadelphia, they'll have that opportunity. But they'll, they'll be the team that, other than the Eagles, I think is the team to beat in the NFC. When you look at... As you so eloquently laid out on my show, we talk about the Detroit Lions' easy schedule from this point out and not face the Eagles. Yes, that's a great distinction in terms of the number one spot. That's the team that you fear the most. But when you talk about a team that could actually come in and beat you and beat you head-to-head and then maybe beat you in the playoffs as well, I think that's the San Francisco 49ers. So that's the team that I look at to not only potentially take over the top spot and number one seed in the NFC, but also a team that could come in and beat you in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. But and I see people in the chat saying the same thing, that the only threat to this Eagles team is this Eagles team because they are that good. And I do well, think that's every team. Yeah, every but I team, do think yeah. I do think this Eagles team is the best team in the NFC. I think they're the best team in the NFL. And you and I also talked on your show a little bit about what we want to see from them now coming out of the bye. So what as far as you want to see from this Philadelphia Eagles team now that they had a week to kind of regroup? I'll say it again. They need to be the team that knocks. They need to be the danger. That's what they need to be. In the next five games here, every other team on that schedule over that five-game stretch is looking at the Eagles being like, this is the real deal. We got to take advantage of this. They're either we respect them or they're not that good. We'll show they're not that good, whatever that is. The Eagles need to be the danger. The Eagles need to be the team that knocks. The Eagles need to be the team that everybody, every other team is laying their head on their pillow at night thinking, oh, no, the Eagles are coming to town this week. They're only going to maintain that respect or earn that respect if they beat the Chiefs on Monday night. They they lose to the Chiefs on Monday night, then they show the chink in the armor. They show that they can't beat the team they couldn't beat last year. They show that everything else isn't isn't it, as it was advertised with an eight and one record. They start to show that there's flaws, and of course we have seen that in a game against the Jets. But you want to talk about the Eagles beating the Eagles? That's an example where the Eagles beat the Eagles. So for me, that's how I break it down. And after that, they'll have an opportunity to kind of right the ship against the Buffalo Bills, and then they'll have another big game on their hand right there with the San Francisco 49ers. But you lose this game against the Chiefs. Everyone will smell that fear. Everyone will uh, will taste that blood in the water, so to speak. And they'll just want more of it going on. So for me, I need the Eagles to come out. I need them to come out swinging. I need Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat to show that it really was the field at the Super Bowl as to why they couldn't get that angle as edge rushers to get into the backfield and disrupt Patrick Mahomes. And what's really crazy about that is if you do get that pressure, Patrick Mahomes has shown more so than ever in his career that when he's pressured, especially this season, he's going to take off and he's going to run with that football. He's running the ball more than he ever has in his entire career this season. So the Eagles need to disrupt that. If he's running the football, you're not giving up those big plays downfield. You're not giving up the big pass plays to Travis Kelsey. You're managing the game a little bit wiser. And then, of course, you're also putting their precious quarterback in peril. 
So they get that pressure. They play with that extra added edge. The Eagles are going to win this game, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest parts of their game plan is making sure they get into that backfield. And that obviously will be a big deal to a guy like Hassan Reddick and another guy like Josh Sweat. Everyone's been referring to this stretch as the gauntlet, and I've said it on this show. I said it on your show. I will no longer refer to it as the gauntlet because it's a gauntlet for the opponents. I want to get T-shirts made that say, we are the gauntlet <laughs> for these opposing teams that have to play the Philadelphia Eagles. But I see people in the chat talking about that Buffalo Bills game. That is at home. That is at the link, so that is a good good thing for the Eagles. Bills have to come to Philly. It's yeah. a short week, though, for the Eagles coming off of this Monday night game. <laughs> but you mentioned that you want to see this Philadelphia Eagles team get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I actually just posted a video on my Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face, about two hours ago talking about that very thing, you have two defenses that can really get after the quarterback, and that may, in fact, be the deciding factor in this game because Eagles, number three in the NFL, excuse me, number five in the NFL with 30 sacks, number one in the NFL with over 100 quarterback pressures. They got 105, but then you look at this Chiefs team, they're third in the NFL in sacks and fourth in quarterback pressure. So what breaks this week? The one thing that doesn't have me excited, Eagles have given up 22 sacks this season. Kansas City Chiefs has only given up 12. They are number one in the NFL in sacks giving up. So what do you think breaks this week? Who gets more pressure on the quarterback, the Eagles or the Chiefs? Uh, I'm going to say that the Eagles get the more pressure on the quarterback. I think it's going to buck the trend a little bit this week against the Chiefs. The reason I say that is because Hassan Reddick, since he's gotten the cast off his hand, has played like a man possessed. Brandon Graham, after getting a sack and a half against the Cowboys, only, only having a, a half sack, I believe it was, going into that game, he even said after the game, you know, uh, maybe they had me a little bit of a pitch count here because they want to unleash the fury in this stretch of games. We've talked about a lot offensively speaking when it comes to potentially Brian Johnson laying off the RPO and wanting to break it out maybe at this point in the year. So we'll see if that leads to be see if that proves to be true. On the defensive side of the football, that same could be said about a guy like Brandon Graham. Snap count maybe going up. We could be seeing that about a guy like Hassan Reddick, a hundred percent healthy, continuing the tear that he has been on, and Josh Sweat doing a lot of the same thing. And I'll say this, as great as the Eagles defensive line last year was, especially with Javon Hargrave, double-digit sacks, that's all great. Jalen Carter is better. He's just, I think everyone knows he is better. Better at the run, better at uh, breaking up through triple teams, by the way, against the Cowboys. I don't know if you saw that video. That's insane. Yeah, and I, I feel I, I this team has a better defensive line than what they had last year. And that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. And here's the bigger deal. They got a chip on their shoulder about that Super Bowl. And if you're a Sam Reddick, if you're Josh Sweat, this is your opportunity to show, yeah, maybe it was the field. And look, it's not just, oh, they both played on the same field. That's very true, but let's actually dissect it. Let's analyze it a little bit more. Who's getting the pressure for the most part for the Eagles? Their edge rushers or the defensive tackles? Their edge rushers. Who is getting the pressure for the vast majority of the season uh, last year for the Kansas City Chiefs, it was their defensive tackles, the straight-ahead push. You can't get that angle because you're slipping and sliding, then you're not going to be effective. This is an opportunity for the Eagles to help prove that. And like I said, Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat continue the terror that they've been on. And the Eagles defense does need to show up because we know this Chiefs defense has been really good this season. <sighs> They're only giving up. 15.9 points per game. That is why they're winning so many damn games this year. Mm -hmm. And 
one of the things that we did talk about on your show a little bit is our secondary needs to clean it up a little bit because I do expect, even though I do think they will be better in this game, Mahomes and Kelsey are going to have some points. They're going to they're going to put up yards. It just is inevitable. They're that good. So the Eagles secondary needs to be better, but our offense also has to be able to put up points against this Chiefs defense. No one's really been able to stop the Eagles. Do you think the Eagles, as good as this Chiefs defense has been, will be able to move the football and put up points on Monday night? I think that this game is going to be slow and methodical. I don't think this is going to be a big splash game. And part of the reason is because I think that's the Eagles' only real chance against this defense is if they kind of put them through a wear and tear sort of ringer, not a big splash play type of ringer. Plus, you also don't want to have Patrick Mahomes on the field. That's just that's the old age-old argument about maybe running the football, being a little bit more methodical, bleeding the clock, owning the time of possession, taking the crowd out of it with long, sustained drives. That'd be a big thing. Maybe we see the run game finally get going now that we're all expecting Cam Jurgens back. But as far as the defensive side of things go for the Eagles, yes, I agree. The Eagles defense needs to show up. The pass defense has been terrible. Bradley Roby hopefully come back, handle his business in the Eagles secondary there. Uh, Kevin Byard, more acclimated with his Eagles teammates. Maybe the communication's better. Maybe the playbook is digested a little bit more for him. But it's it's just going to come down to making sure you stop Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, they got to beat that defense. And the defense is the, is the true storyline. With Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback, a two-time MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion, the list goes on with the resume there. But the defense, you talk about I did a hit on um uh, I did a hit on Big Sills' show earlier in the week. And he asked me if the Eagles have closed the gap with the Kansas City Chiefs. My my answer is no, they haven't closed the gap because the Chiefs defense has been so much better. Offensively speaking, I think the Eagles have a more potent offense, but defensively speaking, with the way they're able to prevent points from going up on the board, which is the ultimate stat that you can look at for a defense, from the way they're able to get after the quarterback, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is better than what the Eagles saw last year. So I think this is going to be a long, lightweight fight, not a heavyweight haymaker type of fight going forward in this game for four quarters. That's the way I see it playing out with Eagles and Chiefs Monday night. I'm not going to ask you for your prediction. I'll get it on the Jacob Sports pregame show on Monday night. Be sure to check out the Farzy show every day from 6 to 7, and then check out me, Farzy, Seth Joyner, Kayla Santiago, John McMullen, hopefully D-Guns back this week, down at the Ocean Casino right here on Jacob Sports for the Eagles game day shows. Farzy, appreciate you as always, my brother. I'll see you on Monday night. Sounds good, my man. Let's go Flyers. Love it. Love when Farzy joins the show on Thursdays. So some good stuff, little Sixers talk, a little Eagles talk, some Flyers talk. I love it, man. That, that's the best part if the Flyers can keep staying a little bit relevant is we could talk some hockey, man. We could talk some hockey, but some big things this week for sure. Some great NFL games. We got the first one kicking off tonight. And I asked Farzi if he could see any of those four NFC teams losing this week. Cowboys are going to beat the Panthers. But and the 49ers are going to beat the Bucks. But I'll tell you what. Not saying it's going to happen. But don't dismiss the Chicago Bears in Detroit. You got Justin Fields first game back, looks like everything's trending towards him playing. I know it hasn't been great, but you never know what could happen there with Justin Fields coming back from injury. And then don't discount 
the Seattle Seahawks having to go on the road to L.A. L.A.'s coming off of their bye week. I think Matt Stafford may be coming back. So I don't think it's going to happen. But those are the two teams I could see maybe laying an egg. Maybe. Not saying it'll happen. But, hey, we'll watch, we'll hope, and we'll see what shakes. But today, guys, as always, we'll end the show with a little Today in Sports History. So last night we saw the Boston Celtics, unfortunately, beat our 76ers. So this is a little bit relevant to that. On November 16th, 1957, Boston Celtics center Bill Russell set the NBA record for 49 rebounds as Boston beat the Philadelphia Warriors. Well, the reason this is going to make me feel a little bit better is because then, that was 1957, three years later, Philadelphia 76er Wilt Chamberlain beat that record, getting 55 rebounds in a game, which still holds as the NBA record for most rebounds in a game. So, on today, November 16th, 1957, Russell had the record, but it only lasted three years. And then our man, Wilt Chamberlain, took him down. But guys, I appreciate you all being here. We will be back. You're going to get just me tomorrow for a football Friday. We are going to spend the whole show talking Eagles, Chiefs, NFL Sunday. I want to go through some things and a little bit of a teaser. We talked yesterday about other NFC quarterbacks and are any of them on Jalen Hurts' level? Well, I did some videos about Jalen Hurts, and some people commented underneath that wins should be attributed to the coach, not to the quarterback. So it had me thinking. I think Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC. Is Nick Sirianni the best coach in the NFC? And we're going to look around the NFC at all these other coaches and debate whether or not Nick Sirianni is the best coach right now in the NFC. So we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow, guys. Hit that like button. Hit that share button. Appreciate you all. And as always, go Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.